the framework is that this, the one thing's everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. If you only do one thing as a CEO, you're going to create energy. Yeah. And energy comes from vision and the plan that lines up with that vision. Mm -hmm. um, it also comes from mission. Mm -hmm. So you look up and say, why are we doing all this work? Well, we're trying to solve this problem in the world. Yep. And our vision is a world, right, without that problem. Mm. And here's our plan for the next few years and specifically this year to make that happen. Mm -hmm. A great leader, you know, can win their hearts. He wins with the mission, wins their mind with the vision and makes it happen with a plan. Mm. So that's energy comes from those things. If you're using your personality to make energy, you're going to burn out. A mission or a vision and a plan other people can carry and go, here's our plan. And mm -hmm. they're going to spread your energy without you having to do it all. Mm. You'll be the best, but that it has to go through those channels. Hey guys and gals, Trevor here with Carrot and the Carrot Cast, of course. And um, every now and then I'm able to connect with somebody who uh, I've been following for quite some time, who has changed my business and changed my life uh, in, in a massively positive way. And uh, today you guys are going to be able to meet one of those people. And I've never met uh, Jay in person yet. Hopefully we can meet sometime. Uh, but it feels like I, I know Jay and Gary and and a lot of the team there at KW based on how they've been influenced in the industry, how they're putting out amazing inspirational but educational stuff that really helps people, whether they're agents or people in any other type of, of walk of life of business too. So uh, before I officially introduce Jay Papasan, uh, what I want to do guys is pull back and, and kind of tell a really quick brief story of, of how I connected with the message that they originally put out uh, called The One Thing. Uh, this, is, this is before Carrot. This is before we started Carrot and grew that company really fast. Uh, I was struggling. I was stuck. And I had a lot of different things that were going on in my business and life. And I, could, I never really knew how to show up to the given week and, and know exactly what I should be doing. And a friend of mine said, man, you've got to read this book. And uh, we'll talk about the book here in a second, which most of you guys have probably already heard of or, heard of or read. Uh, and gave me The One Thing. And it didn't take too long for me to get into the book to realize how I had been running things in my life and business so wrong where I thought more was better. And it's actually less is better. And up until this day that I'm going to introduce Jay, I have this, this literally, this is written like seven or eight years ago. Uh, the focusing question has been on my computer uh, since then. We'll talk about the focusing question, I'm sure, that came out of the book. But uh, without further ado, I want to introduce Jay, Jay Papasan. Uh, partner with Gary Keller, Gary Keller, Keller Williams, and a co-author of The One Thing, among many other things. So welcome on the, on the CarrotCast, man. Hey, and thanks to you for that great um, introduction. I really appreciate that. So we, I, we're definitely going to kind of dig into, um, obviously, the, the one thing, and I want to touch on a bunch of, a bunch of other topics, but um, I'm really curious also about how you currently do some of your work, you know, working around Gary, but also just knowing what you know. Um, through all of your entrepreneurial pursuits. I'd love to kind of see how, how you still implement the one thing and how you, how you drill that down into the rest of your organization as you guys grow. But Jay, let's give people some context. So um, let people know who aren't familiar with you yet, uh, who you are, um, what, what's your family life look like? Are you married? Where do you live? Uh, and what do you do for a living? All right, great. So um, primarily, I think of myself as an author and an executive. Like those mm -hmm. are the two hats I wear pretty much every single day. Yep. Um, currently, I'm VP of Learning for Keller Williams. It's the largest franchise real estate company. I've been here for 19 years. 
and I'm in charge of all learning, and that includes our publications. So mm. Gary and I have partnered together and produced um, 11 books, um, about five of them with our names on the cover, um, and national bestsellers, the last of which was The One Thing. Mm. And so I get to, like, I always thought I'd be around books, Trevor. I didn't know that I would be um, an investor, um, a realtor, all of these other things that real estate has gotten in my blood. Mm. Um, probably in 2004, we wrote The Millionaire Real Estate Investor, which yeah. some of your, you know, given your demographic, they may be familiar with that book. Mm -hmm. And that just changed my life. Mm. Um, we did about 120 interviews with millionaire investors, people who had a million dollars in equity, mm -hmm. right? Not in value. Um, <laughs> and we went through multiple interviews with them, transcribed them. And I would come home from reading these things. And I just remember going to my wife and go, do you want to be a millionaire? She goes, yeah, <laughs> was like, let's do it. And so we started investing and now we have 10 properties. We've um, been a part of um, a small family fund and invested institutionally. Mm. Um, we've now brokered deals like our world. I used to think of myself like an employee, right? Yep. Yep. Um, how much salary can I earn? And now I know that wealth is built through investments. And mm. I just love that world. I just never imagined. I thought I was going to be a wordsmith my whole life. Um, <laughs> and I still am. But now I'm a trainer and also a real estate investor and a realtor. And that's been really fun to wear those hats. So that's kind of my story. Mm. Um, I'm married. My wife runs a big real estate team. Um, it's in about four cities. Um, our hub's in Austin. Mm. And they sell about $110 million in real estate a year. Amazing. And um, it's great being married to another entrepreneur. It's also yep. tough. <laughs> and we have two teenage kids. Uh, our son, Gus, is 15, and our daughter, Veronica, is 14. Man, so you, you, you talked about um, your wife being an entrepreneur, too. And one thing that I noticed uh, a little while ago, you guys were having a couple goal-setting uh, workshop oh, big this time. past yeah. month or two. Yeah. Dude, let, let's let's kind of dive right into that, actually, because it's the perfect time of, of year where when, when this is going to get published, it's going to be right after the start of the year. And, and if people haven't had a chance to sit down and do the goal setting, I think this is perfect. And one thing I'm really guilty of, uh, Jay, is is I'll do the goal setting for business. And that that's easy for me. But I definitely have struggled to get my wife on board and probably approaching it the wrong way, but struggled to get my wife on board to do goal setting as a couple. Um, if you don't mind, let's spend a couple minutes on that. So with, with your guys' uh, couple goal setting workshop, what, what, what do you get, what's your process with you and your wife or that you guide people through on how to get alignment as a couple and as a family with the goals for the year? Well, I love that we're going here. I wasn't even, this is like a passion project. Good. I love it. Um, so I think it's 14 years ago. We uh -huh. have to really go dig. Um, Wendy asked, they said, can we um, spend some time away from home mm. and get in sync? Mm -hmm. um, we had two young kids, right? And um, one and maybe another on the way. I'm trying to think. So maybe it was 13 years ago. Mm. Um, but we hired an overnight babysitter. And we just went on Priceline and found a cheap hotel. And we spent the evening talking about what we wanted to do the next year. And the next day she had a questionnaire. It was a lot of really uncomfortable questions. You know, how do you feel about our sex life? And we have two babies. Like, of course we didn't love it. Like we weren't going on dates. Yep. Um, it was all a lot of uncomfortable questions. We were in sync because we were already on the millionaire journey. Mm -hmm. So like, what do we need to do this year? We need to save up another down payment. And what's great about financial goals is they divide easily by 12 or 10 or whatever. And you mm. can really say, well, we need to do this each month. Yeah. I remember our first financial goal was to save 1500 bucks a month. Mm. Didn't matter what we did. If we could do that every year, we would, we believe with the other income we had, we'd have another down payment. Yep. 
Yep. And so that was like our stepping stone into the world of becoming investors. Mm. And then we also talked about like, well, what do we need to do for our kids? What do we want to do about church? What do we want to do? Like um, every week we have a date now, we have a date mm. night. So this all it. came out of this idea. And over time, more and more of our friends would hear about it and say, we want to do that too. <laughs> so um, at one point we had a, um, a Word doc and then it was a Google sheet that we would share with people. And the last three years, it's gotten so big, we just facilitated it. You know, we did it at a spa this year. We had about 200 people. Mm. And so that's the history. That's not I what you it. ask. I know, yeah, but no, I love very, it, man. It, it very organically grew up. And when mm. you do something for more than 10 years, you get more and more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. So our basic process, and we teach people, and if people want, you can put this in the show notes, on yep. our theonething.com, we have a kick-ass guide to hosting your own goal-setting retreat. Okay. And it has all of our questions and process. Cool. So people don't have to try to take notes while they're driving. Um, it's out there and it's free. So basically the night before, um, we make it fun, right? Because if mm -hmm. you're, maybe you have kids or whatever, like you get out of your environment, that's very yeah. important. So you're not doing the dishes while you do this. <laughs> so we'll go out to dinner. And the first thing I love to talk about is like, where are we going on vacation? Mm. So yeah. whatever fills you up, start thinking big. Mm. And, um, you know, a lot of times I'll sit there with my phone and like, what are all the places we want to go before we die? I love it. And we have this list and based on that, where do we want to go this year? Mm. And so we do something fun. And then the next day we hole up and we ask where we want to be in five years. Mm -hmm. If you know, towards the end of the book, we have a process called goal setting to the now. Yep. And so you go way out and then based on your someday goals, where do we want to be in five years? And mm -hmm. we'll set goals for our health, for our finances. Um, for our kids, for our marriage. Hmm. And it's just like a, it's just a list. Like, so what do we want to have happen? And like an example of a five-year goal is um, my son was probably nine or 10 and I like to go hunting. I'm in Texas. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Tennessee and I would get invited to go hunting and my son wanted to go with me. Yep. And like, I have really strong memories of going hunting with my dad. Oh, I love it. Me, me too. Yeah. Same thing here. Yeah. And so like I, I get really emotional and I call my buddy and say, Hey, Gus wants to come with me. Is it all right if I bring my son? And mm. the first time it was fine. But then it was like, no, it's going to be a guy's weekend. We're going to be camping and drinking beer. And like, no, I don't feel comfortable having a child out there. Mm. Yep. And I turned to Wendy and it's like, if Gus wants his time with me, um, there's no way I'm wearing orange and doing public land. It's just too crazy. <laughs> um, but I want to control that. So I want to add a, a ranch to our five-year goals. Mm, that's cool. That's and cool. She did not have any interest. We're investors, right? This yep. is not an investment. <laughs> and um, it was on there for two years, right? I kept mm. bringing it up and we weren't taking action. Um, but I sat down with one of my buddies and I said, let's talk about our big goals. And we compared five-year goals. He uses the same formula. And he goes, you're building a ranch? You want to do a ranch? Because I want a ranch. And I was like, huh. Really? And so he said, I'll go 50, 50 with you. Sweet. And I live in Austin and he lives in Washington state. So he's willing to pay 50% of the cost for something he's going to partake of a few times a year. I'm like, I'll take that deal. <laughs> and within a few months we were able to buy it. And I'll tell you this, this is just an example. It doesn't mean like, this is not a recipe for all the guys listening to go get their, like their vacation property. Yeah. Yeah. But Wendy would have never said yes if we hadn't had two years of conversations around it. Ah, uh, gotcha. She mm. didn't know why it was important, mm. right? This is not just about me having a place to go with the guys, though I do like to do that. We go as a family, and I wanted a place to go with my son and now my mm. daughter. Yep. So she mm. got on board because we've been talking about it. 
Yeah. And it wasn't a spur of the moment thing at that point. Yeah. Yes. It's not Mm -hmm. an impulse thing. Yep. So that allowed her to get on board. Mm -hmm. And so that was over six years ago. We did that. And then you look up and um, you do your five-year goals. And then based on our five-year goals, what do we want to accomplish in 2020? Mm -hmm. And so we just methodically work through it, right? If we want our ranch, what do we have to do this year? If we want to write a best-selling book, what do we have to do this year? If we want to start a new business, what do we have to do this year? Yep. And we get in sync. Mm-hmm. And the last step of the process is to assign responsibility. Mm-hmm. So um, who's going to go find an estate attorney so we can update our will? Well, I'll gotcha. take that. Mm-hmm. Who's going to get all of the school calendar dates and put them on our calendars? Well, I'll do that. Because if no one, if two people have responsibility, nobody has responsibility. Oh, yeah. Yep. And understanding the division of labor is really important for a couple. So that's our fundamental process. We think big, you know, vacations and fun stuff, but five years out, based on that, what are our one-year goals? And then we divide and conquer. And about once a month, we try to revisit those. Because okay. it's one thing to go have a fun overnight vacation and do all this dreaming. But yep. if you're not checking in on your goals, nothing's going to happen. And, and that, so, that's... That's, that's the important part right there that, that I was, was going to ask too. And I'm, I'm glad you led into that is after you do the, the big plan where a lot of people fall off. And I, I know I'm guilty of this sometimes too, is mid years, three months in and six months in. Uh, so you guys have the document and, yep. and, and then you re- I carry it with me everywhere I go. If you can read that, it says five year family goals. Yep. I love it. It's I just love a it. PowerPoint and I have a notebook that I take notes in wherever I go. And mm-hmm. my bookmark is my goals. So do you guys have, do you guys have like a monthly, um, kind of, you know, husband and wife meeting this on the calendar? Is it kind of more organic where you just talk about it whenever you guys get a chance? And what's your process there after you set the, set the goals for the year? Great question. So in the beginning, when we were tracking our net worth was the main thing that we had to do every month. That was a Mm -hmm. habit we built every month. We, back then we had to call all the mortgages. And yeah. go through the phone tree to get our, our payoff balance. <laughs> and I had to plug it into a spreadsheet. Now you can use Mint or Microsoft Money and it, it happens kind of automatically. Yep. So um, every month we would get together and we would just revisit our budget. How are we mm-hmm. doing? Are we on pace? Did we save our 1500 bucks this month? Mm-hmm. That was the big goal. That was our, our, our tip of the spear is we wanted to build um, financial freedom for our life. We wanted mm-hmm. um, choices. Um, yep. I came from a place, a middle-class family, Wendy didn't, um, but we both agreed most people either want security or, or choices. Mm-hmm. And we both were like, we want more choices. Cool. So we were very motivated to meet. And today, this is way in the weeds, but yep. every week we kind of look at our calendar and our goals. Mm-hmm. And we tend to do that on Sundays. So it. there's a lot, a lot of mornings we get up early, we're sitting there and we'll just start, let's sync up our calendars. Mm-hmm. And part of that is how are we doing on the goals? Because mm-hmm. we both use the same process. Yep. So it's almost a weekly meeting now, um, but that's scary for most people. But if you can do like a, call it a state of the company meeting for your family, mm-hmm. um, if you can make it fun, yeah. say, you know what, we'll treat ourselves to a nice bottle of wine or we'll treat ourselves, like bring some fun to it. But then sit down and without judgment, go through your goals. Mm. And yeah. I, that's a huge thing. So Trevor, you said you were going to call an estate planner. How did we go this month? I didn't yeah. do it. Mm. High five. We talked about it. Cool. And you do that because here's the reality. If you're really busy, you're going to have stuff that sits on there for a while. Yeah. And it's not about beating each other up. My wife's job is not to hold me accountable. My job is not to let her down too many times. 
I got you, dude. I, I love that distinction. That's so good because, because a lot of, a lot of people in couples, when you have those conversations, it's, well, you didn't do this and you committed to it, to that. I love how you're like, you know, Hey, we committed to it and high five. Let's, let's tackle it this, ne- this next time. Yeah. Uh-huh. We can have, we can hire our own professional or personal coaches to have that mm-hmm. conversation with us. Yep. But what happens to us is like, so we keep saying we're going to do that. It's not important. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should run with this because I'm clearly failing. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we find out that one person is better suited than the other. Yep. Sometimes we just agree. You know what? We thought that was important when we were in the hotel room. It doesn't feel important now. Mm-hmm. Let's just mm-hmm. remove it. Yep. Uh, Dude, I, love um, it. I don't want to blindly be a slave to the goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be growing and I want to be successful. And I know that if you don't do what you say you're going to do, that's very hard. Yep. So we have that balance, but I, I really think the meeting should be somewhat fun and somewhat celebratory because just as a couple, if you're being purposeful about communicating, mm-hmm. that does so many things. Oh, it's magical. Have, have you, I'm sure, I'm sure you have, but have you had any, any specific transformation stories where you, you're like this couple came in and they weren't in sync and maybe even one of them was skeptical of the process or was semi-resistant to like, oh, that planning where, where then they're just crushing it. It's working. Every year, about 50% of our off, you know, it's like, <laughs> who's here is excited to be here? Who yeah. got drugged here? And you got like half the room, yeah. right? Yeah. Because um, the dynamic of being a goal setter, I'm, it's unusual that Wendy and I both align. And mm-hmm. we understand that. Yep. But it's also unusual to have a couple where both parties are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and it, I think that puts even more strain on the relationship. The entrepreneur tends to surprise the other person. Oh, wait, I didn't tell you that we're having a business planning session at our house tonight. <laughs> um, and they get, and surprise is where the resentment comes. Gotcha, but you didn't yep. tell me, I didn't plan for this. I didn't expect mm. it. Mm. But communication solves those problems. Yep. So a lot of people are, um, the thing that jumps to my mind, and this is a close friend, they did their goal planning retreat. They didn't do it with us. And one of the categories that we have is health questions. Mm -hmm. And my wife's friend's um, husband was not good about going to the doctor Mm. um, and super fit individual, Mm. um, but agreed based on that meeting that he would make an appointment within a month to go see a doctor. Um, Found out he had a very dangerous form of skin cancer. Oh my gosh. But because Mm. they caught it early, it was very treatable. And he just... Like I didn't find out until they got the, you're all clear, but mm. like, wow, dude. Okay. So maybe we saved a life. Yep. Um, but it gives people to say, what are we not doing that we should be doing? Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of our first success stories was date nights. We've been doing around 40 or 50 dates a year because we have a night that we designate as date night mm-hmm. and it's in the middle of the week where we now have to fight for babysitters. Like, so we've yep. built some amazing habits and I've heard of so many people that have copied date night. Mm-hmm. Um, that have started building their net worth and are millionaires because of this. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. they've been doing this for years and have been on that journey. So it's some simple things that make a big difference. Mm. I, you know, I, I, I love, love this. People, we don't take vacations, which is very bad in America. Yeah. Said, you know what? We took our first vacation in five years this year. That to me is victory. Mm-hmm. Because now That's you're cool. recharged. You can come back and do more extraordinary work than if you're burnt out. Dude, and one, one really cool thing about this, and we'll, we'll move over to the one thing topic, but one thing I love about it, I, I've got three little kids, five, seven, and nine. And, and the interesting thing is, of course, they're still young, but they're old enough to where they're picking up on everything. And just those habits, those habits that 
that the, the parents that you're working with or the, the, the couples that you're working with, their kids are seeing all that and, and started to in, in, ingrain into those kids and see a good example. Now, whether the kids follow that example or not, they're going to remember it in 10 years and 20 years when they're in that situation. They go, man, I remember this thing that my mom and dad did, you know, where they went on these date nights every week and it was, it was really important to them. And I think we need to start doing that too. I remember where they would sit down and they've got these goal things that I don't know what they were, but it worked. And Dude, that, that, that part's the, the coolest part to me. You guys are impacting people on down the family tree, which is amazing. I love it. Good oh, work. Thank you. It's a passion project. It's mm-hmm. not a big financial opportunity for us, but it's something that I feel really passionate about because mm. I just we have a lot of success stories. That yep. And I, my first value is family. Mm. And so to help other families is a big deal. I love it. And we'll get you guys, we'll get the link from, uh, from Jay and you guys can, we'll link you up to, to the guide and you guys can go right. download that guide. It's probably the one that Jay was showing there a bit ago, download the guide and go through the process guys. Cause I think it's a perfect time to do it. Get aligned with your spouse, please. Y'all just going to make all the business stuff we're going to talk about here in a bit, a lot more worthy and, and better and get more momentum, more momentum with it. Uh, thanks for sharing that, man. That was cool. That's cool. I love that you went there. It's a passion project. Like I said, Good. I like it. So let, let's, let's circle back to the one thing now. Um, and, and I'm sure, let me ask you this question. Actually, do you ever get tired of talking about the one thing? No. <laughs> um, we were playing uh, would you rather we were yeah. in uh, Yellowstone national park. So if you've ever been there, you know, you're driving, driving, driving huge distances. Mm-hmm. And so yep. we're playing car games with our kids. My wife's a realtor. So my son, smart aleck that he has asked, would you rather be stuck in an elevator with mom talking to her clients or dad talking about his book. <laughs> so um, it rolls over into all areas of my life. It's transformed yep. my marriage. It's transformed my health. It's transformed mm-hmm. my professional life. So I'm very grateful for the journey this book took me on. Mm-hmm. And I love sharing it. So, cool. Well, let, let's start at the top. So for people who are not familiar with the one thing, uh, break down the one thing concept in, you know, in, in a couple sentences or whatever, whatever it is. What's the one thing concept that people can grab at the high level? Sure. I think that um, everybody's really busy. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody either has a lot of obligations, a lot of opportunities, or both. And what we wanted to do, and I think we've been successful, is give people a simple framework for identifying the things that actually matter mm-hmm. and then prioritizing them so they can actually start tackling them. Mm. You can't get people to do it, right? Because we can't. That's as much behavioral control as we can do is get them to change their thinking. But a simple framework for identifying their one thing, their most important priority each day, each week, each month. Mm. How do we do that? And then we believe you need to put it on your calendar. We call it time blocking. You make appointment with yourself to do that work. And in our research, it makes you about three times more likely to do it. Mm -hmm. So do you know what it is? Do you know why it's important? And do you know when and where you're going to do it? That simple combination has been pretty magical for a lot of people. Mm. And the advanced course is, and you probably, as you're familiar with the book, is it's really important to your career yep. or your health. Wouldn't you want to make a habit out of it? Mm. And uh, I've heard a lot of myths around habits and discipline. And people will tell you it takes 21 days. It's not true. It takes 66 days on average to form a habit. Mm. So a lot of times when people go through that process, they figure out their one thing for whatever that area is, health or marriage. Um, they'll time block it. I usually encourage people like if it's like brushing your teeth, it's something that will always be good for you. Why not just make it a habit? Mm -hmm. Right. So take a 66 day challenge, which is one of our, you know, little processes Mm -hmm. and just do that activity, the smallest amount that you can do for 66 days in a row. And there's a really good chance that that'll become a habit that you can then build on top of. Mm -hmm. So 
that's kind of the framework. Identify the priority, time block the priority, and where appropriate, make that thing a habit so that you've worked for the habit, now the habit works for you. I love it. Dude, so I, I want to I I kind of point out a couple scenarios in my own life where I implemented, implemented this and also where I had a tough time doing it, but then later went, oh, here's the unlock. Um, so the, the, the issue that I had, and still kind of sometimes this will creep up, is the thing that I think is the one thing isn't the one thing. You know, it's right. like, it's the thing that's in front of me. And I'm like, I really got to do this thing, or I think I do, or think it really needs, that, needs to be done. But if I go up a level, there's actually a different one thing that would solve all that stuff, which is why I put the focusing question on here. Um, in, in your own life, or there could be other examples, um, how, how do you make sure that you know that that one thing is the actual one thing versus like a busy work kind of thing that you shouldn't be doing, but the, uh, the actual one thing would actually solve? If you well, you mentioned I, the focusing question. So yeah. like the key simple tool in the book is the focusing question. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's mm -hmm. purposeful. Um, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else is easier or unnecessary? Mm -hmm. So it's a very specific question that's supposed to yield you an answer that's your greatest point of leverage, your biggest mm -hmm. opportunity to make progress towards this outcome. Yep. So I was always afraid that people wouldn't know the answer. Mm -hmm. um, in my experience, most people are not stopping to ask the question. Yep. So they're doing what's urgent and apparent versus stopping to say, of all the things that I could do, what's the, really the one thing that I should do? Yep. And in my experience, about 95% of the time, they know the answer and they feel guilty for not doing it. Mm -hmm. And usually it's so not on the list. Easy. Like for me, it's usually not even on my list at that point until I ask the question like, oh shoot, like this is it. like a hire as an example, right? It's like, I, I have all these, this, this busy work stuff in front of me and, and I've got a, a Still a small team compared to you guys, but a bigger team, a team, team of 30 employees. We're going to hire another 10 to 15 this next uh, six to eight months. And so there's more people to help, you know, move, move things forward. But what was happening four or five years ago is my list was always tasks. And then I finally asked the question and was diligent with it. And here, here's one thing for me, Jay, that was, it was a big deal. I want everyone that's listening to this to go back and listen to the, the focusing question that Jay mentioned. I'll read it. The one that's on my computer right now. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. The part that I was not registering early on was the words unnecessary, the word unnecessary. I was locked into easier, meaning, well, I can like streamline this thing, I can do this, but then when I pull back and look to that last word, unnecessary, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was the unlock for me. So yeah. like, what's the thing that would actually eliminate all this for me? Like, would, it would just figure it out. It'd be like, well, get a, get a person to come in here and do this, or do this thing, and it's all, oh, it's so crazy. So uh, a real world scenario for this, and going back to the fitness side of things. So this would have been, um, October, 2017 now, is that, geez, that's crazy. October, 2017. Um, I, I, I grew up in an athletic family, you know, played sports all my life, high school, college, uh, all that stuff. And so everything was really regimented for me on the fitness side of things, you know, show up to, to, to practice and then do it again and do it again and just do what the coach tells you to do. And, and you kind of, it's just, everything was there. Mm -hmm. And so I get in the real world. And it only took probably two or three years for me to kind of work out of those and trying to figure out my own way through that. And then we moved from Portland, Oregon down here to Southern Oregon, where I live now. I've been here since 2008. We absolutely love it here in this little town called Roseburg. And um, I kind of went through about a six year period where I wasn't working out. You know, I'd, 
I, there's five gyms in town. I joined all five gyms thinking the gym was a problem and uh, <laughs> including the gym across the street from our office building here. And, uh, and it was October, 2017 and I was getting ready to set intentions for the next year. And I'm like, what are the things I do not want to carry into this next year that I keep carrying over year to year? And the fitness side of it was, I switched my mindset. I said, no longer is it about fitness. It's about getting energy back. Okay. Now I, I re, repositioned that. So it's not fitness because I didn't think I needed to be more fit, uh, but energy, I did need that. I was having, having afternoon energy crashes almost every day, stuff like that. And so I sat down I looked at the question on, on my computer. I wrote it down and I said, what's the one thing? It's not the gym. It's not me going and, and figuring out a workout plan. It's like literally today messaging my assistant and saying, Jen, can you find three personal trainers uh, that fit this criteria that will be at my office on Thursday or whatever? And I'll pick one of them. And we did. And that was my one thing. Message my assistant and commit to hiring a personal trainer, but have her follow through on this stuff. Yeah. And then we, ended up, we built a gym in the office. And now, like, um, when we come in here, there's team members that work out with me. We're in here five days a week. And it just kind of happened. It's like, because I picked the one thing, it wasn't go work out three days a week. It was send a message to my assistant to get three personal trainers to fit this on this specific day. And then we'll make a decision to move. And it changed so, my life. There's a trigger often for people that's very small. And if mm -hmm. you can identify that, that sets a lot of things in motion. We call it the smallest domino. Mm. And, you know, that gets everything else going in your life. And I'll say we had a similar journey. Mm -hmm. So we had two small kids. My wife and I wanted to work out together. Mm. And so we, we both made this commitment and we keep carrying it forward. And I had real, I've had three back surgeries. So I was really wanting to get better about this so I could avoid having more of them. And we looked up and our answer was to bring someone to us mm. because for us to work together, it's like, are we really going to hire a babysitter to go work out when we barely yeah. go on dates as it is? And I didn't want to alternate because I would, I'd like, I'll watch the kids while you go work out and then she's going to watch the kids and I'm going to go to a movie. You know yeah. <laughs> I mean? So it's like, it didn't feel, I, I know myself. So we actually, um, Wendy started it with camp gladiator, which is a local outside train thing. Mm. And she started meeting a friend and I said, okay, there's real accountability in numbers, yep. but we can't leave our kids alone. Will that coach come to our house? And mm. originally the only time we could do it was at 5am. Mm. So we had to do it while our children were asleep. We had no equipment, right? We could barely afford the trainer and we'd have the trainer come three times a week. And we just do like body weight stuff in our garage. Mm -hmm. And yeah. over time, we now have a gym, basically. We actually have it. space dedicated to it. So you can start small, but figure out that thing. In my experience, if you can't afford a trainer, um, the key for a lot of people is either going to bed on time so they can actually have the energy not to hit snooze in the morning and go to the gym. Mm -hmm. That's the one that unlocks it for a lot of people. It's like, you know what? If I can just go to bed by 10 and turn off my phone, I will actually get to the gym in the morning mm -hmm. or have someone meeting them at the gym Yep. because a lot of people will do it for someone else. They don't want to let them down. Mm -hmm. So they'll go to the gym, not to let that person down. So pick a partner in this accountability um, that's going to be waiting for you. I love it. If someone's waiting for you at 5am in a gym somewhere, you're going to feel like a real heel for hitting the, you know, the snooze button. 
Oh, man. No, dude, I, I can totally relate. And guys, I want you guys to go back and listen to that. Listen to that part. Because if you have something that, you're, that you've been trying to tackle, trying to, to, trying to move in your life and over and over again, you can't. The things that Jay mentioned, and then just, just me kind of reciting my story through the one thing there, uh, it's going to help you guys a lot. Uh, dude, I, I, saw that, I saw that you and Gary started a, a new podcast, Think Like a CEO. And yeah. um, on your Instagram, there was a picture I saw it months ago and I went back and pulled it up today because I'm like, I remember that picture. And it was a picture of you guys up on stage at, I think it was a Keller Williams event, possibly. It could be wrong. Yeah, probably Mega Camp. Yeah, there we go. Big old red slides behind you. And I loved how you guys laid out, um, it's, I think it's this, the Think Like a CEO framework. It's create energy, um, engage talent, and own results. That's um, right. If you don't mind, let, let's talk about that for a few minutes because as I'm growing my team and my company, uh, that's, that, that's the topic I'm diving into big time. And I want to talk about now how, how you lead teams and, and how you really, um, how you drill down uh, the one thing even into your team members. Because yeah, us as CEOs or us as, as leaders, we're kind of expected to do that. But I want to first start with how do we now take the topic of the one thing and help make sure that our team members are applying that? Are there tools that you're using? Is there a communication cadence um, it, that helps them to start to be more intentional with their one thing? All right. So there's two questions there. We'll go there back is. to the think like a CEO. Let's go one thing. So this idea of identifying your priority and time blocking it, right? Mm -hmm. So that you then can take action on it. Yep. So um, we have a framework that we have in the book and we have training for this on our site. We have a document called a 411. Mm. And um, I've been doing this for 19 and a half years, but basically it's a one page document. And at the top you have your annual goals. And we, I encourage people to put their professional and their personal goals there. Mm -hmm. And each month, right? So I put my goals for 2020, then the middle section will have my monthly goals for January. Mm -hmm. So based on my annual goals, what do I have to accomplish this month to be on track? Mm -hmm. And then the bottom portion is for whatever week of the month that is. And so based on my monthly goals, what do I have to do this week? Mm, yeah. And so it's breaking down the big rocks into small pieces and identifying your true priorities. This is not a to-do list. That, that's something else. This is your big priority. So there's usually never more than three or four things mm. on that list. Yep. And so we use that document and I generally will do a weekly meeting with the staff that reports to me, mm -hmm. right? We've divided up the annual goals, just like we talked about with your marriage partner. You know, yep. we, who's responsible for this? And based on that, I just go, do you know what your priorities are for the week? Hmm. How did you do last week? So it's yep. a quick 15 to 30 minute conversation about how they do last week. Based on last week, what do they have to do this week? Mm -hmm. And as a manager, what you're doing is you're inspecting how they think and how they act. Are they going to go get results? They have a whole week to do it. Do they do it or not? Do they do their number one or do they do their number three? Yep. And you have regular visibility into their accountability and mindset, and you can course correct throughout the year versus loading up for some sort of quarterly or annual review and then dumping on them. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of time every week um, to keep your key people in line. This only scales to about six or seven people because otherwise you're just spending like two days a week just meeting with people. Oh, yeah. Yep, for sure. So are you, do you have them bring that paper, the 411 doc to that meeting or do you guys do a digital thing where you can both look at it? It doesn't matter. You can do either yep. one. Um, yep. Gary has me email mine every month. He wants the rhythm with him at this point is each yep. month he wants to see what my priorities are and I'll send those to him by 8 a.m. on the first working day of the month. Hmm. And that way I'll often get feedback from him within an hour. 
right? Because clearly gotcha. he's got other people doing the same activity. He's reviewing everyone's priorities and course correcting where necessary. Cool. Um, with my direct manager, because I'm still an executive here, I have a job. Mm-hmm. I report to the president and each week I give him my 411 yeah. and we have an opportunity to check in. Cool. Um, it's, it's really quick, right? It's, I don't want it to be a management session. I want it to be a coaching session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because real talent wants to be coached. They do not want to be managed. Gotcha. Dude, I, I love that. I'm going to start. There, there's definitely been a gap on, on my team where we're, we've been building the leadership team this year and, and they're not using a process like that. I'm, I'm using a digital process like that, that I share with my assistant. She has access to it. So she can always be in, in alignment. And, and I have the weekly meetings with the, with the management, but that's where I'm still struggling. It's like, ah, it feels like they're, they're not marching on the right priorities, but it's because I don't know what they are and maybe they don't either. Well, you're not communicating often enough about mm-hmm. what they should be. Yep. And a lot of people are good at tracking KPIs, right, for your sales team. And so there is some public accountability because there's a scoreboard or something in your office. Mm-hmm. What I like about this system that I learned from Gary is that you get to track the activities that lead to the KPIs. Yep. So you can't just say, make six sales this week. Mm. That's not, you don't time block six sales. You time block the calls, right? The time to make the calls to make the sales. Gotcha. Mm. So yep. You're focused on what are the activities that lead to results. We can't always control the outcomes, but now I can say, "Wow, Trevor, last week you spent you know six hours calling, but you only got one sale." Yep. So did you really do the time? Yes, I did this many dials. Great. Well, maybe we have a scripts and conversion problem, gotcha. not a time management problem. But now it allows us to go to diagnose and coach. Hmm. Guys, please, please, please go back and listen to that part. If you have a team, do it, do it, do it. I'm going to do it and I'll report back to, back to you, Jay, for sure, man. Like that, that's been a, that's been a gap for sure. And I need to talk about So for the last few minutes, I want, I want to shift over to that. The second part that I mentioned, which was the, um, think like a CEO. And if you guys haven't had a chance to go listen to their new podcast, I think like a CEO, go check it out. I listened to a bunch of episodes this week. And of course there, there are other podcasts that, uh, is Jeff still leading Jeff Woods still leading the one thing podcast? Yep. Every single week. So the awesome. Think Like a CEO, we've done two seasons. We do four or five episodes at a time, given that it's Gary Keller's time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you do this, it's, it can be a bit of a grind. And I'm not sure that's what I want the chairman focused on, but it gives <laughs> us a chance to three or four times a year introduce new thinking mm-hmm. um, to the people we want to influence. I love it. So the framework is that it's the one thing's everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. If you only do one thing as a CEO, you're going to create energy. Yeah. And energy comes from vision and the plan that lines up with that vision. Mm-hmm. Um, it also comes from mission. Mm-hmm. So you look up and say, why are we doing all this work? Well, we're trying to solve this problem in the world. Yep. And our vision is a world, right, without that problem. Mm-hmm. And here's our plan for the next few years and specifically this year to make that happen. Mm-hmm. A great leader, you know, can win in our hearts he wins with the mission, wins their mind with the vision, and makes it happen with a plan. Mm. So that energy comes from those things. If you're using your personality to make energy, you're going to burn out. Yep. Yep. I love it. But a mission or a vision and a plan, other people can carry and go, here's our plan. And mm-hmm. they're going to spread your energy without you having to do it all. Mm. You'll be the best. But that it has to go through those channels, man. B- before we go on under the talent part, the, the energy part, um, same thing. I'm going to go back kind of in my story to connect for for people listening here. Uh, this has been 2010, 11, 12 in in my previous company. We started Carrot uh, end of 2013, started 2014, 
And in, in that time, we, we had a good business. And, and as, as loyal listeners of the Carrot Castle know, I was kind of through this, going through this, this phase of life where, um, honestly, I just wasn't really grateful for, for the, 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 the things, the people, the, the experience I'd had in, in life up to that point. Um, I was always kind of looking, casting way out there and, and there's that gap, right? There's the, the distance between where you want to be and in, in where you think that you are. And so I was kind of feeling in the dumps a little bit. And I started to pull back and go like, what, what is it that I want to change the most? And I just realized at the end of every week, I was, my energy was just drained. And so I created a process called the energy audit that I, that I took and, and improved it. And I use it every quarter, 15 minutes a quarter, completely changed my life. Do it with the team now, whenever they're in a spot where their energy is low, 15 minute energy audit. And it, it completely changes everything. And I, I can attest to the fact, y'all, that, that I would not have been able to grow carrot the way that we've grown it without leading with energy, like you said. And before I, I had a plan, you know, I had, a, I had a mission on the wall that it was there. It was like a business mission and, and things like that. But it really didn't hit me at my core. So I, I, wasn't just, I wasn't passionate about driving that forward. And as soon as I started to lead with energy, Man, that's when a team wanted to form around around me in that in that mission. That's when the team took it and ran with things. That's when we really started to grow really, really fast. And so leading with energy is huge, guys. And like Jay said, there's the purpose, the mission, and, and, and the plan, creating energy around those. So after you have energy around those, what's the second what's the second part of the framework? And I'll, I'll just say this, just to add on, I love that you're sharing and making this personal to illustrate it. That's great teaching. So thank you for doing that. The one of the things I see in a lot of mission statements, they're very aspirational. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, a, there's an old, I'm trying to think of the founder of Netflix, um, escaping me now. But it, the idea basically is you'd always rather be selling aspirin than vitamins. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Because vitamins are aspirational. And what's the consequence of not taking vitamins today? Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. My pee's not as yellow as it was. <laughs> right? That's right. But if I have a headache and I don't take aspirin, I have a headache. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I look at people on their mission statement, I, I usually want to ask the question, well, what happens if you fail? Ah, uh, gotcha. Mm, and good. if it's all aspirational and there's no cost of failure, they're usually, they're missing an element, mm-hmm. right? Gotcha. I want them to understand that failing at this has a price. It's not mm-hmm. just about winning. It's about not losing, right? Because then people will fight harder, yeah. right? To avoid the cost of failure than they will actually for their own success. What's, so that's a your, good litmus test, right? Dude, I love that. What, what's your guys' for, for Keller Williams right now? If you don't mind me um, asking. Lives worth living, careers worth having, businesses worth owning. Hmm. And a um, little aspirational. I'm not sure it completely meets that. But I can tell you um, when I look at the turnover rate in our industry that we haven't fixed the careers worth having yet. Yeah. About a third of our industry turns over. Mm. Um, we've made a lot of millionaires. We've made a lot of people very, very wealthy. We've done the businesses worth owning. Mm. And I think with the one thing in some of our courses, we've really helped people transform their lives. But real estate still is inherently a very, very tough, it's a great opportunity, but very tough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're investing huge amounts of money right now to try to fix that problem. Yep. And for me is I look at what it's done for my life the cost of not fixing it is that really good, talented people who could be entrepreneurs, right? They don't, it doesn't require an MBA. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even require a college education. Yep. You've got a laptop, you've got a cell phone, you've got a car or access to one and really a lot of heart and a little bit of, of wily intelligence to go make mm-hmm. a deal happen. You can build a really big business and provide it for your family and others. Yep. The cost of us not figuring mm-hmm. that out is all of those people are probably sitting in someone employed by someone instead of being the employer. And that mm. bugs. 
Yep. So, Dude, I love it. Yeah, way to put love me that. on the spot. Uh, engage talent is number two. Yep. Well, if you've got the right energy, talent's attracted to that. They're like, wow, mm-hmm. I love this mission. I love where you're going and I love how you plan to get there. I want to be a part of this team. So mm-hmm. knocking out number one, this is the one thing, right? Make number two easier. Yep. Doesn't make it unnecessary because no one succeeds alone. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it does make it easier. If you're going to do something truly extraordinary, you're going to have to have other people around you. Yep, 100%. Uh, well, I'm sure everybody listening just thought of one exception, right? You get it. In general, <laughs> the majority of the time, great things happen, not in a silo, but with a team working together. Mm-hmm. So I just had this co- coaching call with a friend and we were talking about this and he's thinking about hiring for a very big vision. And we did the math. I said, how much did you make last year? Um, you work about 50 hours a week. You take about two weeks of vacation. That's 2,500 hours. So divide your income last year by 2,500. That's your dollars per hour. Yep. And I work with someone who makes around thirty or $40,000 an hour. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. He works the same amount of time you do. What's the difference? He surrounded himself with a handful of really extraordinary people. So if you can engage extraordinary talent, your ceiling gets incredibly high. It's infinitely high. Mm-hmm. But it's yep. not having 185,000 amazing people in our organization. It's having six or seven and truly amazing ones that then have their four or five, right? That's how it works. Gotcha. But in terms of you as a CEO, your control, you don't need to have an infinite number of amazing people. You just need a handful, mm-hmm. right? And then teach them how to build their bench so that they also, and you have a couple of layers of extraordinary and you're off to the races. Dude, and that, that's exactly where, where I am now. And it's funny because as I was thinking about you know, are, are the right people in the right spots? Are they, are they, uh, are they the right people in those spots? Um, I literally went back to the part in the one thing and I read this book. I mean, it was a long time ago, man. And I've, I've you know, flipped through it a bunch of times on my little dog-eared pages. But I remember the part where Gary talks about when he was kind of struggling to break through that ceiling that he said, well, I, I, my one thing is hiring these people, these, these very specific people that are going to take and blow it up. And that's when I pulled back. I'm like, man, I've got amazing people here. How do I get them to the spot? Or do I get different people in certain roles to, that are going to be those A players to move it up? And yeah, it's so interesting, huge. guys. When, when, you get, when you get that A player in that spot, it's such a big difference versus someone who's amazing person, maybe a great culture fit, but just not an A player in that role. Well, good to great, right? Yeah. Uh, it's truly, you can have amazing people that you love to work with that are not really truly in their gift zone. And yeah. that's a cost to them and to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things you said, and you've now echoed it, like for your business and your personal life, one of the things Gary says a lot, like if something is lacking in your life, there's a good chance you're missing a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it might be uh, a mentor, it might be yeah. a coach, it might be an employee. Yeah. But there's a good chance that someone's missing from your life. Mm-hmm. And that's just a good place to go. Like who's missing? Right? Yeah. What's the missing piece right now that's keeping me from succeeding? Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got great energy, engage talent, and then own results. Mm-hmm. And I really believe, and I know we believe, I can't say I, Gary has trained me well, but this is <laughs> very much where I'm learning from a self-made billionaire here and I don't want to take credit. Um, owning results about being accountable. is a big mm-hmm. theme in our books. We talk about that. And the one thing, um, people who are ultimately accountable to results, um, achieve them. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they say, if it's up to me, it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Yep. And they don't let that be about other people. They'll take ownership of it. And you know this as a business owner. You know people who are um, acting like employees. 
and there are people who take real ownership of mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And the distinction is very clear to me as a business owner. Oh man. Like, wow, like the, their attitude about this task is they were approaching it like an owner would. Our vice chairman, Mo Anderson, you know, had two surgically reconstructed knees. But if she sees a piece of trash in the lobby, she's picking it up mm-hmm. because that's her lobby. That's her business's lobby. That's mm-hmm. not someone else's job. It's got to be done. So why would I wait for someone else to do it? I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that might not be the best example. But I remember seeing her kneel down to pick up a gum wrapper. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Mo, don't do that again. I'll do that for you. I'm sorry that someone left that for you to see, but yeah. she's going to do it if it needs to be done because she's ultimately, the buck stops with her. Mm-hmm. So ownership of results, um, being clear about your standards, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Most people, their standard, I mean, whatever you've actually accepted is your standard. Yep. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and we say we want more people or better people, but your standard is lower than that because gotcha. that's what you've currently accepted. Mm, that's good. And sometimes it takes someone, a coach, um, a mentor to look from the outside in and say, look, you know what? Your, your standards should be higher. Mm-hmm. You can do better than this mm-hmm. for yourself and for your team. So that standards and accountability is really that last part. You got to own those results. Dude, um, that, that last part was better. good. No, that, that, that was really good. The, the standards part, y'all. Guys, like, like, like Jay was saying, look uh, at the spots in your life where you ha- kind of aren't where you want to be or have the deficiencies. Is there a person missing? Like you said, could be a mentor, team member, coach. Um, guys, do that, do that, please, please, please. Um, and you guys have heard my, my journey on coaching and mentors over the past several years. So go back to those episodes. We'll link them up in the show notes. And then the standards part, you know, what you currently have in your life is what you've accepted. So increase those standards. Uh, man, uh, I, I love it. So I'll finish with this. I know, I know, uh, um, we're a little bit over time now, but, uh, um, the, the last part of the own results is ph- philanthropy. And I know for me, um, Oh, thank you. I I don't have my notes right in oh, front of me. So thank you for hitting that. That actually brings it all the way back to mission. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, you're creating a real, your the, the results, like a lot of people talk big, but there are no results around their mission and you're mm. going to own that. And that for me is philanthropy. That's what mm. we're talking about. So thank you for that. For, no, thank you guys for making the message. And, and, and that part, same thing that, that inspired me. I know Keller Williams and, and other amazing companies really bake in philanthropy into their business. And uh, this is a couple of years ago. I want, I want everyone listening to this to, to, to go, well, I, I don't want people to think, well, I'll do it once I make a bunch of money. I'll do it once we have this big event happen or whatever. Um, the, the, the thing that I didn't do soon enough was just start, just start doing something. It could be your time that you're giving. It could be money that you're giving. It could be 10 bucks a week. It could be whatever it is that you're giving more than anything. It's working that giving muscle. And, and Jay, uh, we, we saw things that you guys were doing. And two years ago, we said, we just need to start our giving program. And we did, we started our giving program. We give 1% of our gross revenue uh, to causes that amplify our core values. And I can tell everybody in this call, and, and I'm sure you guys can attest to it too. When you have a great business with a great mission, with great people, and then you bake in the philanthropy part of it, it just makes everything hit you at your core so much harder where when you have a tough time that you're going through, you will wade through the tough time. You'll be excited to, even when it is hard because you know it's worthy on the other end. Um, it was really cool a couple of weeks ago, still sitting here. Uh, we were awarded um, the eighth most philanthropic small business in the state of Oregon. And wow, we didn't, congratulations. We didn't to, thanks, man. We didn't intend to do that, but it was because, you know, following great companies like yours and going, you know what, we want to make an impact now whatever we can do. And uh, it was really cool that the impact is starting to make a difference. So guys, bacon philanthropy into your business. Um, can I give a great book? If you haven't read it, uh, Adam Grant wrote a book called give and take. Hmm. 
and yeah. it's very much about strategic giving and that's exactly what you're describing like it. Um, when you build purpose and philanthropy into your business your people will work harder they will stay longer they will find more meaning in their work right and it's it's uh and it's okay that that serves the business that doesn't yeah. negate the good that you're doing in the world just because you're being strategic about it mm -hmm. um, but it's very very important so in our book the millionaire real estate agent um our new edition um the top of the pyramid is going to be give a million how big would i have to grow my business in order to give away a million dollars mm -hmm. yeah and we've been playing with a model and you hit on a lot of it um i usually say if you can't afford to give your time your influence or your money you can at least be thankful mm -hmm. give thanks and there's real research that says like i'm going to thank you for doing what you're doing I appreciate you, Trevor, for building a business and having people who do that. You know what I just did? I just made you more likely to give again tomorrow. I love it. I love and it. to give more tomorrow. Just by appreciating people who give costs mm -hmm. me nothing but a thank you. I've actually created more good in the world. Mm -hmm. um, if you can't, if you can do that, you can't do the rest, you could give your time. Mm -hmm. So you could set a goal for 2020 of where you're going to volunteer. You want to go walk dogs at an animal shelter? Do you want to go serve meals in a soup kitchen? Um, it's very rewarding, and I would tell you to bring your kids. Mm -hmm. So yep. you can start tracking hours and setting goals around how much time you're going to donate. The mm -hmm. next level up, I still can't afford to write a check, Trevor. I'm saving up, right? Um, we're still trying to pay off my student debt. Great. So volunteer your time. Can you trade your influence? <laughs> can you go raise money for Movember, right? Can you go run a race and get in all your coworkers to contribute? You know, Wendy and I um, tend to raise about um, 50 to 100% more than we can actually afford to give. Yep. And mm -hmm. we're looking and setting goals around six-figure goals in giving. I love right? it. And for us, because we want to make a contribution, but we, our influence goes much farther than we can currently write checks for. Mm. And then the last thing, which is every, everybody starts with, I can't afford to write the check. The last thing you would do and hopefully in the beginning, it might just be the widow's might, but you can start giving your actual treasure, yep. not just your time and talents. Mm -hmm. But think about serving on a board for a nonprofit. Like what would you bring to them with your vast knowledge as a business person? I'm not mm -hmm. just talking about you, Trevor. I'm talking about the yep. listeners. Yep. You donate your time and talents. You can make many multiples of any check that you could write happen. So this mm -hmm. is another passion thing for me. Um, I didn't start giving till late in life, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ashamed that it took me so long. My parents' role modeled really good behavior. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was something that would happen later in my life, Yep. and I yep. regret that. So definitely, I hope that they will follow your example um, and start making giving a big part, philanthropy, mm -hmm. a big part of their professional career. Man, you, you, I'll, I'll kind of wrap my part with this, and then we'll, we'll close this. The closes up. I, I could talk with you another two hours, but on, on, on the giving <laughs> side, of, on the giving side of things. So this is three years ago before we started the giving program. Um, I, I our team at that time I think was probably ten people. So we're thirty now. But before Christmas, we we had your Christmas gifts and bonuses and stuff like that. And I said, man, I'd, I'd really like for for us all to work that giving muscle more. So got a hundred dollar bill for every, um, for every employee and in the card, put the crisp hundred dollar bill in there and said, um, this is our, um, carrot giving challenge. And sometime between now and Christmas, I think they had about a week, week and a half sometime between now and Christmas. Uh, the only requirement with this hundred dollars is you have to give it, uh, to somebody, you have to do something with it for somebody that you do not know or not for yourself. Oh, I love um, it. So, 
And, and it could be anything. It could be buying coffee for people at the coffee shop or whatever it is. And the story that, that we did was it was, uh, you know, Southern Oregon, Klamath Falls, Oregon. It was spitting snow Christmas Eve. And I was pressuring myself to find the perfect give. You know, it's like someone who just really needed it. And it's like, oh, man, the perfect give. And, and there was a guy on the, on the side of the street, 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve, uh, selling flowers. And he had a pretty beat up truck. You could tell he wasn't dressed nice. You could tell he was not doing great. And someone would not be out there on Christmas Eve at 6, 6 or 6.30 in that weather if they didn't need it. So my little boy, he was three at the time, drove up, said, hey, you know, hey, sir, how you doing? And um, how many flowers do you have? How much it costs? And there were 10 bucks a bouquet. And there's these little tiny flowers. And he had a bunch of them. And, you know, like 20 or 30 left. And I said, I've got 100 bucks. How many can I get with this? He goes, man, you, you can buy them all. So I got the 20 or 30 bouquets. Now we have a bunch of bouquets in here. I got 100 bucks out of my hand. That guy needed it. He can get out of the snow. He can go to, back to his family and finish Christmas shopping, whatever he was looking at doing. Um, and then we have all these bouquets. We're going, all right, Colton, what are we going to do with them? And so my grandma had just passed away and she was in an old folks home for a while. So we called up an old folks home, the one that she was in, said, hey, we've got a bunch of flowers. Can we come to the, can we come to the place and deliver flowers for the other grandmas? Uh -oh. And so me and my three-year-old did, we walked around and gave, you know, bouquets to all these gals and they were hugging uh, Colton, my boy, and a lot of them were breaking down crying because they, their families weren't there. And we were talking with them and it just melted my heart. And we get back uh, to my in-laws house and my wife was there and they said, how was it? And Colton said, uh, we gave flowers to other grandmas. So now it's this tradition. Hmm. My whole family's a part of it. There's people here in Roseburg doing it, flowers for other grandmas. And that's, oh, part that. of, that's, yeah, so that's, that's part of our give. And now we encourage the team to do the same. So guys figure out some ways to do that. If you have a team, you could be 20 bucks for every team member and give them that challenge or hundred bucks, or whatever it is. We're, we're doing it again this year. Um, addictive, isn't it? You let someone experience what it's like to be the giver. Yep. And it, it, you can really build some powerful habits. I love that story. Thank you for sharing it. For sure, man. Well, let, let's wrap this up. I want to respect your time. Um, Jay, I so appreciate you hopping on here. And it's just really inspiring following your guys' journey and everything that you're doing in Keller Williams and, and through the books and through the, uh, the couples uh, um, you know, goals workshops and all those things. How can people learn more about you, follow you, engage in all the, all the great things you guys are doing? Um, if people just go to the one thing.com with the number one, the the number one thing.com um all of our stuff's there tons of free training and you know, my name's jay papazan i mean mm -hmm. there's only one of me in north america <laughs> and google is a friend in this case yeah. and so um they can always reach out to me either through the website or through one of my social channels and mm -hmm. i'm not super responsive on social media that's right i try to manage my time yep. but i will get back Awesome. Well, Jay, I appreciate you, man. Guys, go to the one thing.com, dive into the podcast, dive into the Think Like a CEO podcast, get the book One Thing if you haven't, put the darn uh, focusing question on your computer, on your forehead, whatever you need to do, it will change your life. Uh, guys, go give this episode a rating and review. Hopefully someday I can meet you in person, Jay, and I appreciate all that you do for the industry and for your world, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.